Good morning, Saturday listeners. Thank you for tuning in. I had a very special guest planned for today, but unfortunately, they were unable to make it due to scheduling errors, last-minute comic production issues regarding fulfillment from their last successful campaign. Um, Grant Lankard will join me next week, hopefully, on Saturday to discuss his comic book, um, Beowulf, Still in production, just finished wrapping up book three. But until then, Inevitable Mike speaks to you live from the Tardy Party Cave here in Biloxi, Mississippi. I'm so glad you guys can tune in. If you're from another country, boy, do I think it's awesome that you listen to this show. Um, I value you guys the most. Uh, Speaking of listeners, viewers, and lovers of the Comics and Pop-Tarts brand of podcasting, Uh, If you're nerdy, if you're geeky, if you love things, including um, historical culture like I do, head on over to comics and litter and pop-tarts.com so you can subscribe to the newsletter and get all the updates on all the latest episodes that release and the blogs that dropped on my occasional comic book review and blog process. Just really whenever I have time to write it. So, um... Um, you sign up for the newsletter, you'll get an instant download to the Wild Oni exclusive six-page preview um, art by Jod Nawari. Thank you, Jod. Shout out to you. But Q-Logic uh, Entertainment will be finishing the book. It's a whopping 22-page, normal, standard-issue, comic-sized comic book. And I'm excited for it to be coming out real soon on Kickstarter, the campaign Hopefully, the preview page will be up by next week. I'll update the blog post. I've got some really awesome things happening inside works of first impressions and reviews with sites uh, covering comics and channels on YouTube that cover comics. Um, working some, hopefully, some contacts on Twitter who do this for a living. Um, so, uh, it's, it's been a busy week for me. I hope it's been a busy week for you. Um, lots of cool things happened this week. I, uh, I discovered Ronin, which is a comic by Frank Miller that he did, uh, apparently back in, what, 84, 94, 95. Um, I was unable to get a hardcover edition, just don't have the moolah right now, but I will eventually. However, I did save a ton of money by being an Amazon Prime member, and I got it for 10 books digital. It's 277 pages of awesome, you know, 1300s, 1200s. Japanese samurai demon slashing action and I love it and there's a reason why I discovered it and it has everything to do from answering a series of interview questions in which the interviewer used Frank Frank Miller's Ronin as a frame of reference in comparison to the comic itself and I was super enthralled um, by that uh, comparison, because I'm a huge fan of a fan of Frank Miller's. I'm excited that he's got a Frank Miller uh, publishing company now, and that he's bringing back Sin City, and that he's revisiting. He's going. He's going to revisit Ronin, which I think is really awesome, because my book and his books will will be set around the same time period. And uh, while my main character succumbs to demonic possession in, in, the hopes of, in the hopes of equalizing revenge 
by gaining greater power. Uh, Ronan sought to honor his master, Ozaki, uh, by killing the demon using the sword that uh, Ozaki had stolen from the demon uh, a long, long time ago. But uh, more on that to come in the future. It's going to be an awesome year for me. It's going to be a great Q1 for me. I uh, just got Iron Jaguar. Um, my second flagship character is going to be my first legacy character. Um, and I'm leaning towards writing a combined universe, but not in the way where not not in the way that Marvel and DC does it. And the reason I say that is, guys, have you seen what DC is undergoing? Is is the content that DC is undergoing right now? I mean, gosh. They've canceled the Batgirl movie. They canceled... They're probably going to cancel Flash. They're looking to cancel the Aquaman sequel. If it doesn't do good, they've canceled the the Scoob sequel. Um, For some reason, James Gunn announced on his Twitter that that the Suicide Squad sequel is good. Or not not the sequel to Suicide Squad, but also the, the, uh, the sequel to Peacemaker is good, which I don't understand how that's not good. Um, because it's connected and makes references to Justice League. I mean, hell, at the end of the season, you had Aquaman, Flash, and was it Wonder Woman? No, Cyborg. Met cameos in the last episode in which Peacemaker basically said, F you guys. Where the hell we are when I'm... Where the hell we all when this alien incursion happened? You know, where the hell were you guys? Apparently arguing amongst each other, doing Justice League stuff probably happened during the same events of the Justice League movie, in which case they were they were messing with, uh, with Steppenwolf, uh, which is an interesting thing to bring up because we use Steppenwolf as a, as a uh, preface character basis to inspire the design of Wild Oni um, because I wanted a Hulk-type image, but I also wanted it to be Samurai, and so John thought it'd be really awesome to use the... Um, use the, the base look of of Steppenwolf to create Wild Oni as far as like the skeletal structure and like the height uh, I thought it was really cool it was, uh, it was really really well done um, since then I've discovered a lot of other Japanese creators it's really weird it's like it's like uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys out there have or, or all of you listeners out there I'm sure that you have experienced this sort of Mandela effect right or maybe it's not a mandela effect but maybe it's more of a deja vu type type effect where you own a white car and it's not until you own that new white car that you start noticing that the majority of the people that you drive next to and toward every every single day are white cars but before then you could barely see a white car why is that so strange uh, this past week um I think it was last weekend I discovered uh, Jean-Paul de Jong, my new favorite creator. Um, he's a really cool dude, really busy working on this. Go check out Sons of Fate when you can, coming to Kickstarter, the Ultimate Edition. I can't wait to grab a copy for myself because I love the time period that he's, he's playing in because it's so similar into the same time period that I'm playing in. Um, I also discovered today, I discovered a creator on, on Kickstarter... Um, from another campaign that I had backed, a novelist um, called The Last Ranger. And he, uh, you guys, 
you all must support Kickstarters or crowdfunding projects at some level, right? Like I've done a few films. I major uh, majority of the time I do com I back comic books, but every now and again I'll see a novel or something that I'm interested in because I do write prose. In fact, I'm workshopping a novel right now uh, with a a um, with an author slash friend who's been on the show before, William Brower. Uh, who's running a class with KMP Entertainment. That's that's pretty exciting. But I discovered um, the Last Ranger campaign had an update where they put links down below where there's like, oh, well, look at this uh, look at this brand new campaign. Y'all check this out too and support your novelist. Um, his name is uh, J.D. Olivia. And he originally started uh, making comic books. And his first comic, his first comic was called The Red Samurai. And it was a samurai uh, supernatural vampire slayer book. And I thought it's a really awesome concept. And he weaved it in to history. If you guys don't remember, I've had Monty Michael Moore on the show before uh, at the trail end of the last season. And he had a book come out called Blood, Blood, Blood and Bullets. And we were talking about Blood and Bullets too. And he's working on, on offshoots and, and other stories as well. But um, he, uh, he weaved vampiric storytelling into the wild western history line and it had native americans and it had romance and it had love and it had you know insecurities and all those all those all those different elements of the human condition grounded into a supernatural experience and i thought that was really awesome so i reached out to him today and immediately he got back to me on his phone and i thought that was super cool of him and we were talking and uh, I, i'm super empathetic because his story is so unique and i hope we get to talk about it um he'll be on the show next Wednesday, so you guys tune in next Wednesday. Next Wednesday evening, we'll be talking with the author of The Red Samurai, um, and it'll be within 48 hours of uh, his campaign ending, um, which is really, really great for you guys because for about four bucks, 48 bucks, you get to read both the original comic and then you get to finish the story in the novel. Um, but the reason I, I showed a lot of sympathy was not just because he was writing about samurai and in the time period that we're writing in, which is the 1600s, which is effectively almost the trail end of the Edo period. I think technically it ended around between 1603 and 1607. But, but we're writing in the same period. The cover looks awesome. Uh, he wrote the novel, he, but this, the, the real story that I thought was really awesome that I wanted to bring you guys and, and, and hopefully you guys get to hear it from his own mouth, but I'm telling you why I'm excited that he's going to be on the show, is he reinvented himself after having a fallout with his artist, and he finished an entire novel and then got a really great cover together, and he started a crowdfunding camp. This takes courage. You do, you, there is a, if you guys out there listening, if you're, if you're not novelist or you don't write short stories, poetry, whatever... If you're not in the, the, the industry of any type of publishing, you know, this could be syndicated blogs, this could be monetized uh, copywriting, this could be monetized art posting, like drawing, uh, even posting art channels, content creators, uh, video game, video game uh, streamers, all, all you guys understand what it's like to publish content. When, you're, when your content tanks and it gets nothing, like, say, if you were a video game streamer and your editor just somehow just boop, and your budget can only handle so much and you can't go to anybody else, well, now you have no way to edit your videos, which means it's going to lower the quality, which means it's going to drop your viewership because there's going to be a lot of things that people don't want to watch that you used to be able to cut out. And now that you, you have to endure that. 
Well, what if you ended up being so down on luck you stopped your channel and then three months later you met somebody and that just that's somebody that you decided to have a relationship with talk to you into getting back into your streamer and, and it's because that she he or she um he or she told you that they you know you discovered that they were an editor and it's kind of like one of those romantic stories but i mean he did it with himself so it's really hard to reinvent yourself when you say okay well this is the industry i'm going to be in and then all of a sudden the industry says well not exactly so thanks for coming and trying your hand but this isn't going to work that takes a lot of guts like a lot of guts it's so credulous it can be so credulous to watch or even to experience the fallout of an artist now me and john were on good terms when i made the call to go to q logic and that's just it has nothing to do with Jod, other than we weren't communicating effectively, given the different time zones we were working in, and then there was some miscommunication between the words and the panels, and it was just taking a long, long time. And so my impatience got the best of me. It's probably on me, but I wanted this book to come out this year, so I made the creative decision to switch to a, a, a company that had artists who were used to working on deadlines and that sometimes is what you need you need an artist who can commit to deadlines and while i like jod and we had lots of lots of words together and i consider him a friend just at the time for this book it wasn't now i do plan on extending extending my my relationship with wild oni to go back to john if he could keep and commit to that timeline um uh, back then, money was kind of an issue. It's not as much of an issue as it was before. But uh, most of it was, was deadline work. Now that when the issue one drops, we won't have that problem anymore because I won't be pushing for that book to come out. I'll also be working on another book entirely so that, that um, the pressure won't be there. So the deadline thing won't be an issue. Because I've gotten lots of compliments from the preview. It's great artwork. It looks good. It's crisp. It's great. It's going to be awesome. But I'm so glad, uh, I'm so excited for, for J.D. Olivia to come on the show, uh, the author of The Red Samurai, and talk about his book on Wednesday. Uh, it's it's going to be pretty awesome. And even though I had to pivot tonight in the show, there are still things that I was going to record anyway um, and talk about that I had the, that I, I um, sorry, I was reading a message. That I had the uh, ability to do this week. One was watch Lightyear when it came out on Wednesday with my kid. Before you boo, before you turn off the channel, before you turn it up and look me up on social media and sit here and, you know, before you hit the cancel button, just, just hear me out. I just want to, I want to, I want to, I want to get this straight. I thought the movie was okay. That, that, that's my review. It was okay. I have some concerns. But it's not in the way that people think. Now, I understand why the sexualization concerns of what other people would consider conservative fans of Toy Story would be so irate. And that, that, um, that I only have one thing to say. I thought it was okay. 
However, children do not know the language of implication. So I can say something to you guys right now, but I could also at the same time be implying an entirely different situation based on the facetious use of specific grammar. So I could say, um, and I'm sure maybe people have been in relationships, but you listeners out there, if you're married or if you've been in a relationship, it's been unpleasant or anything like that. You've probably heard something along the lines of, well, I didn't move your phone, so I don't know what you expect from me. Or people message me all the time. I just don't always check it, which is a defensive stance. But it also implies that they're being defensive for a reason. Now, that something could have been said to provoke that, but why would they choose those words and to make that implication at the same time? So the scene in the movie, and this is where... So spoilers, if you guys haven't seen it, I'm sorry. But it's only a few scenes, and it's really just the montage. So when um, when Buzz is, is, is so headstrong, and he is stubborn in the way of trying to fix his mistake, I'll try to be as cryptic as possible. He, he wants to test the fuel cell. So every time he leaves in the ship and he comes back, a few years pass. But, 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 the rules of time dilation, the rules of time dilation say, and we're stated in the show, we'll revisit this too because I have an issue with the, with the science. Time dilation states that the faster you go forward in time, the more time you spend away. Right? Right. Okay. So the whole idea, really, of the movie, the concept, is they get crash-landed on a planet and they have to discover a new fuel source so that they can leave the planet. That's the plot of the movie. That's it. So, Buzz is the only one capable of flying the ship around the sun that would slingshot his fuel cell and his ship fast enough to go forward in time to achieve hyperspeed which is what they need in in the movie to go faster in time to get back home so <laughs> so every time he comes back his partner from the beginning of the movie alicia gets a little bit older now the first encounter it's a few years she got engaged it's been about three and a half years what, what, did, uh, what did that dude say? Three years, two months, and five days when he came back from the first trip. And then he left again. Uh, she had made a comment about it. And he said, congratulations. And then she was like, well, you can meet her later. And then you know, something happened, and then he just he left again. Well, the second time he left, it was like four years. After that, I think it was about six to seven to eight years. Now, that time, the third time, he walked into the office. Uh, no, it was the fourth or fifth time. Anyway, he walked into her office and she was pregnant. Well, in the second or third time that he stopped, that he came back from his, his round trip around the sun, she, she, I mean, she did. She was with a woman. I, I believe it's the last time that he leaves, right before he comes back. 
and then she's not all of a sudden she's not there that time is when she was an older woman they kiss i didn't i didn't i didn't care about that that wasn't that was really a peck honestly i think people overinflated that what i have an issue with though is that if kids saw that and they also paid attention to the pretentious previous previous scene where they show her pregnant well, then kids are going to have a question that are going to frustrate parents to answer. Where did the kid come from? I thought it was going to be the new captain that rolled into the office shortly after he listened to Alicia's message that she left him after he came back for his final voyage, right before they tried to detain him because the colony that was there decided that they no longer wanted to go back to Earth and they were going to make a nice, juicy home right there where all the vine monsters and the bug monsters were, which I thought was dumb. Because he looks a lot like an older version of the younger version of the son that they had. Um, so no, no parent wants to be wrong in that situation. However, no parent should have to explain that to a a four, five, six year old. Thankfully, mine's my, my, my four year old son is, I don't know, focused, not focused on those types of things. Um, there are more curious children that may have asked them, and that might have been some of the toxicity and, and, and vomiting on the movie that some of the parents in America probably probably motivated them to do. Um, as far as the rest of the world, that's just a religious thing. And the rest of the world, it's minus maybe the UK, parts of Germany, Russia... A lot of places where there's still hardcore religious beliefs, which is mainly mainly in the Middle Eastern states, where a lot of this was banned, including China. Um, a lot of that's just basically religion and population control um, due to the, the the political and military uh, industrial industrial complex systems that they have in place there that have got nothing to do with America. So overall, I thought the movie was okay for a movie. I mean, it was compelling. It was sad. It moved me emotionally. Um, it was kind of inspiring because Bud had, Buzz, Buzz Lightyear had to learn how to be, how to be, how to handle newbies. He wasn't a fan of newbies, and he had to remember that he he was a newbie once, and that that was the way he honored Alicia, his former colleague, which they had a great relationship, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> the biggest thing. The biggest, the biggest issue I had with the movie, as far as concerns go, was the beginning. I thought it was the laziest form of production and writing that I had ever seen come out of Dreams work, come out of DreamWorks. Number one rule in storytelling, in film, in novel writing, in screenwriting, in comic, especially in comic books, show, don't tell. I would have rather watched five minutes of Andy, his sister, and the mom walk into a movie theater, see the same thing that everybody else saw going into this movie, and sitting down, have them roll the movie 
the movie begins on the screen and we zoom in to full screen. That would have been cool. If I were director of that movie, that's how I would have started that movie. I was incredibly embarrassed by the 1980s, 70s, and 90s editing impromptu cuts of Buzz Lightyear was Andy's favorite toy. Buzz Lightyear was a movie that Andy went and watched. This is that movie. I mean, are you serious? Cut to black, text, cut to black, text, cut to black, and the movie starts? Jesus. If anything, I would abandon it if I were if I were a country. Dude, I'm sorry, you cannot play that in India. Do you want to know why? Because you're lazy storytelling. You broke the sacred rule of show. Don't tell. You told us everything. It was very cheap. Very, very cheap. Yeah, and I apologize. But I'm pretty sure that's it's a really good Indian uh, Bali, Bali, Balianistic impression. I've been doing it for, for a long, long time. Um, I'm not racist. In fact, one of my very good friends uh, used to own a deli shop that I stopped at before I went to work at the plants in Denham Springs. Uh, and he had offered me a trip, like straight up. Like, if you ever want to come to India, man, I got three houses out there. Like, let's go. Unfortunately, um, never got to make it out. But um, it's interesting. And and they, they celebrate Christmas, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, most, most people in India do, which I thought was awesome. But... Um, just I don't know when I when I want to be funny that's usually the voice I go to because not because they sound funny it's not because I think it's a stereotype but because I think it it sounds incredibly genuine and 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 for westernization comedy purpose com- comedic purpose it, it is funny when you're straightforward with somebody in a tone from a different country it's it's absolutely hilarious and if you don't know what I'm talking about then you guys should really watch Orville and, and pay attention to the things that Isaac does. Um, like how he, how he straightforward asked uh, Commander Kelly, Kelly this week um, to, to mate with him when she has downtime, which I thought was awesome because he didn't know he did anything wrong, which, great writing. Seth MacFarlane is a genius in my opinion. Um, but yeah, man, lazy, lazy, lazy storytelling. I was very, very disappointed um, they really missed an opportunity to make people in the theaters feel like they were in the audience with Andy when he was watching this movie. I just, I'm floored that they didn't think of that or even consider it um, to hell with budget costs. Um, I would have cut out the jetpack scene where he gets it from an ejection seat. I, I thought that that was just standard issue. At least that's what the cartoon told me. In 2002, when it came out, but you know the chronicalization of this show and them deciding it to be a movie that Andy went and watched. So what? What do you? What? What is DreamWorks trying to tell us? Is the show that I grew up watching as a kid up until this point that they canceled after the first season that had a movie? Is was that also a movie, or was that a TV series that Andy used to watch? Is that is that what I'm to assume? 
that that movie went all over the galaxy, man. I didn't see Andy having alien toys in in uh, in uh, Toy Story three to give away in that box. He never even got a Zerg. Like, what are you what are you talking about? Like, if you played with Transformers or, or, or wrestling figures, if you were if you were a uh, if you were if you were a kid from the eighties and nineties, you wanted the villain. I just like Sean Paul DeJong said the other day on his show. Uh, he was a hardcore Transformers fans, and if he couldn't have the the two main the two main characters from the movie that he went and saw in theaters, the Transformer movie, he didn't want none of them. I'd, I'd have to agree. I never I never had a Transformer that didn't have Optimus or didn't have Megatron. Never. I never had a wrestling figure without a bad guy. Absolutely. I loved the bad guys, so I always had those. Eddie Guerrero, Undertaker, Chris Jericho, Stone Cold, Edge. After the Brotherhood. But I'm just I'm just saying. Uh this I mean I get why they made it Andy's I guess Andy's movie, like a movie. But what I thought before I even saw the saw the movie on Disney Plus because I didn't go see it in theaters because it, it tanked in reviews and I just didn't want to waste $75 to go see this movie. I have lots of kids and popcorn and everybody wants drinks and blah, 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 blah. It just becomes a big debacle. Um, so I waited and I thank God I did because it came out a month and a half later. So I, I was under the impression that even when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, okay, so this was an actual event in human history and Andy was... Andy Andy got the toy because the toy company had made the original astronaut that went into space and never came back was immortalized in this action figure. It was kind of like if Armstrong never came back from the moon, they would have made his entire crew and the spaceship like an action figure set back in the day when you had Stretch Armstrong. So I thought this was going to go back in time to when we had the space program and they launched it. Kind of like Planet 51, if anybody's ever seen that. Planet 51, astronaut, lost in space, finds an alien planet, and he spends his entire existence there trying to get home, and that's what happens at the end. So I thought I was going to be one of those, but he was going to get picked up by, by the space rangers who end up recruiting him um, as, a, as, a, as a space ranger after he proved himself um, saving their asses from a bunch of aliens or, or the Zerg robots. I thought that's how that was going to tie in, which would have made more sense, I guess, if you were looking at it from the cartoon aspect, because, it, one, it wouldn't touch the toy universe that he was initially projected into in the early 90s when animation and DreamWorks, like, blew up. So this was, I was about, what, six, seven when when they when this movie came out, probably even a little younger, four or four or five, and um, it just it would have made more sense, canon wise, to not affect anything. So they could go back and effectively do a show if they wanted to, and I guess they still could if they attached it to the movie. But now now it'll just I don't know. With the ending of Toy Story four, and this movie and there's no plans on bringing back Toy Story except if we're just going to be making 8 to 13 minute short movies every 
every couple of years to keep the brand alive and the trademark alive. I don't, I just, I think it kind of, it lessens the impact of the, of the brand overall, in my opinion. Um, they didn't even, they didn't even consider the show being a part of this. Um, they had lazy, lazy opening at the beginning of the movie. And then there's the, then there's the science. So in the movie, after the first run in the spaceship with the failed fuel cell that doesn't make uh, max hyperspeed, the fuel cell battery stops at around 50-60%. So because he was only going 60% of the fuel cell speed forward in time, uh, which I'm assuming is, is, uh, is because of the ship and not so much the fuel cell, or maybe it's maybe it's the rate of speed he was traveling, and that's why he needed to go through the rings. I'm not exactly sure what the rings are for, and except except for possibly slowing down the ship upon reentry. But um, so time dilation preserves the ship and everything inside of it. So what seems like two three minutes was actually two or three years on the planet, because the planet is encased in its own gravity which isn't affected by the speed of the ship right because the the i mean the planet would have to be going the same speed it's like standing in on a beach and watching the water come up and when the water the water comes up from the beach and then pulls back you feel like you're moving well the entire beach would have to move with you if if it wanted to go anywhere so you stood still but the water did not that's basically the idea behind that what I have a problem with is the antagonist of the show makes this sort of impossible, and they didn't explain this. It was very nonchalant. So the version of Buzz that landed in the forest was actually late. And I'm guessing because he hit 100% max speed, he was gone for longer. What I don't understand is why the hell were there two of them? And I guess this kind of clears it up. But I don't really agree with it because they threw a bunch of variables out there without actually probably seeing if this were true or not. So the original bus landed because he didn't reach max speed. What he did reach, or he he reached max speed, but he got there earlier, which doesn't make any sense. It conflicts the entire beginning of the process after they started testing fuel the faster you go the faster you go forward in time well if he hit 100 percent max speed with the same fuel cell then how come he came 20 something years earlier than the other bus right so with the same fuel cell the first buzz light here because we get to watch the second one throughout most of the movie the 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 first buzz light here that landed took his fuel cell and he ended up using it for time travel and then he discovered this time where apparently there's lots of technology and apparently that's so advanced that they just leave this technology lying around and let weirdos from other dimensions just walk up on their turf steal their steal their spaceship and reprogram the giant robot and gives them the command of the army and the ship and then that ship goes forward back in time to his timeline where he was previously underneath the new moniker he calls Zerg. And it's because the robots can't pronounce buzz. 
So there's another lazy thing for you. And then he's done all this for so long, he's an old man. So he's added like 40 years on top of 20 years, so he's 60 years old. So by the time the new Buzz gets back, he's 40 years younger than the older Buzz because the older Buzz spent all his time time traveling and figuring it all out. Um, It's so damn confusing that kids wouldn't be able to make sense of it. And quite frankly, they they don't care. I thought it was ridiculous, it's contradictory, and it's a form of science that shouldn't even be really in kids' shows because it provokes a lot of thoughts that that confuses the crap out of people and slightly even older people such as myself who have a grasp on the concept but not a full understanding. And it's also not really fully understood because a lot of these a lot of these concepts that we play with in media and entertainment media are are held tightly by organizations such as the CIA, DARPA, CERN, NASA, um, the Space uh, Force, Navy, and the Air Force, and of course the Pentagon um, through the through U.S. government, because these are facts that can't be leaked. Most of this stuff, I'm sure, you could find through the Freedom of Information Act or going online to the federal.gov U.S. There's a giant compository online where they dump a lot of these federal documents. Um, But a lot of the information is still omitted, so a lot of these documents really don't make any sense when you read them because a lot of them are blacked. So it's just a confusing concept. Overall, the movie movie itself was okay. I I had a problem with the canon issue, the the opening of the movie, and kind of the time-traveling science they used. Uh, in the beginning and then by the end of the movie of course you got the suits and the spaceship that the original buzz um used in the first movies um or at least in the first movie where he arrived those are all after the original designs i thought that was pretty cool but um yeah they're alluding to a second one and i just i'm not i'm not game for it man i'm I'm like, okay, so did Andy go back and watch the second one? Because he sure as hell didn't come home with a second with a second Buzz action figure in Toy Story 2. And in Toy Story 3, he was, he was here's a box of toys, little girl. And then in Toy Story 4, you know, hey, it's Andy's all grown up and, and she has him now. And they went on a road trip and she's obviously got some really horrible separation anxiety because she won't let go of her toys long enough to to enjoy life which is ridiculous which is something that Bo Peep teaches us in Toy Story 4 I've watched it plenty of times now love Duke Kaboom though that's that's a cool that's a cool character but um franchise overall man I think I think Lightyear took it in a different direction uh it had it had slight woke agenda shit in it but I mean it wasn't enough to to get me all riled up my issue with a lot of that, what people call wokeism, is that they're not creating a new wave of entertainment, like their own lane. Like, I mean, black people, they, they, they were in films for a long time, but they didn't get big roles. They didn't have, they didn't have uh, a majority of the production crew and staff and actors and actresses weren't weren't uh weren't all the same color and to me that really doesn't matter it's all about the product and the story you're trying to tell 
Um, the problem, the problems that they saw, they did something about. It's called BET. It's called most of NTV. I mean, they they had numerous uh, black 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 network uh, the TV networks for a long time and still do. Uh, when I was still working at Lowe's, they were playing the the black network all the time. And some of the movies on there were awesome. There's also movies that I've never seen before that got actors in it that I know that I've I've never seen them in those movies or in that context before. And it's 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 actually fascinating. But but they created their own lane. They didn't they didn't try to take something over and say, Oh, this is mine now. You know what I'm saying? There's I mean, there's a difference in, in wanting to be inclusive and equal and, and value everybody, but um, I heard this on a podcast the other day. That also includes every group of of people, whether it be uh, sexual sexual in nature, gender, uh, or based on race or religion, has to also make space for the for the groups of people that they also don't really align with. That that's really the only way. And when I was growing up, it's so sad that we used to make such an effort for everybody to play together and everybody to work together and these days it's kind of turned into high school like there's a niche over here there's a niche over here and everybody's suspicious of everybody else it's ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous i i i mean it's 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 a problem Um, it's not a problem for me because i'm i'm pretty vulnerable when it comes to that stuff and i can control my own vulnerability and check my emotions and leave my ego at the door. So, I mean, I did that earlier today. I saw a comic book in a group that I didn't agree with. Um, it was a, I mean, it was a cool character. I loved to see, like, he had this um, American mask on. And it, it, he had double guns. It was almost like looking at a black Deadpool. Which I thought it was pretty dope. Great design. Um, and it was weird because, because, uh, because I looked up his profile and he created Christian content where it was a black dude slaying demons and things. And I was like, oh, that's pretty dope. Like I've fucking like black John Wick in, in a, in a black preacher movie. And that, that would be pretty sick. I'd love to see that. And then, uh, he had a post that said, Hey man, I'm, I'm not creating Christian stuff no more, but I am creating, uh, awesome, <laughs> uh, black forward thinking political stories. And I was like, okay, cool cool and then he said uh he said along the lines of uh white white supremacy i'm like i just i just can't man like that doesn't even really exist anymore it just goes to show you how influential the media can be and it's crazy it's like that um as i've i've met lots of lots of black people and nobody's it's never been an issue for me um i had one scuffle when i was like in third grade and to be completely honest, I pushed that kid because he got in my face. But that was the end of it. His name was Derek. I still remember him to, about him to this day. And that was when I was living in Vegas. And Vegas is known to be a rough ter- territory to grow up in. And it was. It was the center of a lot of, of the old school 1990s gang issues that involved Bloods and Crips. And I felt for him, to be completely honest. I can even remember feeling for him at that age. Um, I ended up doing, we both ended up doing detention for the scuffle, but it's not something that I carried into my adult life and made every single black person pay for it. So I don't, I just don't understand. Um, and I don't even understand it from, 
uh, white people who have a problem with any other race besides, uh, including their own. It's just, life's too short, man. Love, eat, travel, and s- screw your way into a good time. Like, that, li- that, that could be everybody's life. Right now, I make comic books. I talk about comic books. I'm married. I got kids. I'm being a better dad than, you know, I, I had growing up. Um, I'm making content that I enjoy to read. I hope to share it with the rest of the world. I hope the rest of the world loves it. If they don't, I hope to touch at least a few thousand people who love it just as much as I do. And that's that's all I can hope for. All the other stuff in between, it's hearsay. However, it is it is annoying when it's constantly shoved into your face. And you're just like, hey, man, I, I don't I don't agree with that. And it gets shoved into your face again. And it's like, you know, even if it was a straight couple, like if I invite you over to my house, like, let's let's hang out. Let's talk. Let's communicate. Let's let's have an interaction. Don't come over here and start making out on my couch right in front of me. I mean, there's some options there. I can make out with my wife, too. That would get a little weird, though. And as strange as it is, my wife isn't open to stuff like that. So, therefore, there'd be no options for me, and you'd just be getting it on my you'd just be getting it on on my couch. I'm not cool with that. I wouldn't be cool with that if in any relationship. It's kind of rude. I invited you over to come chill and hang out, not you know make out on my couch in front of me. And that's kind of how I feel. Media is today. It's like, hey, here's this thing that you need to know. I'm like, no, I don't need to know anything about that. That's I appreciate that freedom of speech and and right to view and also right to click next. But it just it just keeps hitting you in the face. But um, anyway, it was a cool it was a cool comic. It was like a black Deadpool, but it had the white supremacy thing. And you know, a part of me had thought about reporting it, but I was just like, you know what, it's not really my problem. Because once I hit that button, was I really gonna do anything after that? No. Cool. Carry on, man. Power, power to you and your efforts to create. He had the balls to put it out there, so why should I? Why should I take that power away from him? That's his right, right? I had to check my emotions at the door, and it, it wasn't because it said white nationalist, and I'm a white nationalist, and I'm trying to like defend my position. It just, I just get tired of, of seeing things like that, and it, and it affects me. Also, he had America on the front cover, right? And it was spelt with America. And I'm a grammar Nazi uh, in the way that I have a master's degree in English. So that was really messing with my OCD. And I just, I really wish he wouldn't publish it like that. Um, so, but that's his business. Uh, I didn't even bother kindly reaching out and be like, hey man, you, you really shouldn't publish the spelling of that out there like that. Like, I get it. You want to be different and all that. But all, all we're really doing when we're, when we're making new words or old words spell a different way that is considered misspelled, we're teaching people how to how to not speak correctly, how to not use grammar correctly. It's already bad enough that, that computers and, and phones and technology kind of interrupts the learning process and 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 really subliminally ruin has ruined the attention span. Um, of a lot of kids in in last two de- generations that have caused things like anxiety, social awkwardness, 
ADHD for one, ADD for a lot of other people. It's caused learning disabilities. And there's not a lot of science to back it up because nobody's looking into it, which is, which is really sad. But I can't worry about the rest of the world. I can't speak for the rest of the world. I also can't speak for the rest of America because I'm just one guy. I'm one guy that has a podcast that talks about comic books and sometimes on occasion talks about things like movies and shows. Orville's really doing really cool, uh, really cool things. I, I really love their season New Horizons. I was talking to um, a comic buddy today about the show, and it's, it, it would seem that there may not be another season coming for uh, the Orville, which I thought was it's pretty sad because spoilers again. If you guys haven't seen it, sorry. It's just it is what it is. It's on Hulu. It's it's free. Just. I mean, well, if you pay for it, it's not free. But if you have it, it's free because you pay for it. Um, it's free to go watch is what I mean if you, if you have the service. If you don't, then, you know, shame on you. Uh, because you can bundle it with, with Disney and ESPN and get sports and wrestling and stuff for like $9 a month. Whereas you're paying $15 for Netflix. So do your math. Um, but yeah, it, it may not come back at all. And I, it, I don't foresee that happening. I basically told him, was like, well, you know... Uh, a lot of the times they end shows on weddings, so this is probably the last episode of the season. Um, Isaac and, and Claire got married. I thought that was pretty dope. Uh, but there, there's indications and implications for a lot of other things to come. Um, LaSalle came back from that planet with the, uh, the social media uh, judge, jury, executioner, where they had to save Malloy and, um, and the engineer from, from being killed because they were... They were wrongfully uh, accused of a social injustice. I don't know. He did something wrong. Said something wrong. It was like considered wrong. But anyway, they were arrested. And they have these little buttons like triangles. And uh, they do this live broadcast social media thing where uh, you have to plead to the public and the public saves your life. It's like it's like if a jury weren't just 12 people from your district. It was actually an entire population, like an entire global population. But it was all done in the interest of entertainment, uh, which is dangerous because you don't know the cynical or pathological people that exist on your planet who would just love the idea of hitting a button and watching somebody suffer without having to experience emotional fallout or consequences of it. So I thought it was pretty it's pretty uh, interesting to see her back. There's implications there. Uh, she got caught stealing technology and trying to take it back to her home world so they won't be so damn retarded and, and lethargic about living and pe- consequences and actually caring about people. And we got to see the reasons why behind uh, the, the reasons behind why um, the union, the planetary union in Orville, uh, the show, doesn't approve of showing up with technology and just handing it out like Skittles. And it, man, it, it hit home for me, right? Because we have all these technology and this technology seems to be coming at us very slowly from a lot of different sources. When it feels like some technology that gets announced, it's like, well, why can't we have that at home? And, it, and it's, it's pretty basic. It all comes down to politics and resources and nobody wanting to spend money and do things that don't benefit them, which is a really selfish way to look at the world because if you gave everything they need and nobody would have to want for anything then we would all literally just do what we love 
and pitch in and be more collaborative, and that would probably solve a lot of the world's problems. Um, so it it spoke to that. It spoke to that place that a lot of us a lot of us can see, obviously, because a lot of us it made it into the show. So, um, but a lot of us also also spoke to it. Also spoke to the other side of it, which is from the alien perspective looking in, which is if we were a society that messed with nuclear weaponry and we didn't trust each other as a unified global population, um, and we didn't at least respect each other, um, from country to country that we were not ready to be on a planetary or a universal coalition uh, union, I guess you could say. So while there might be aliens throughout the world or ones in space that come down maybe to visit us, maybe not, they would not give us the technology or means to um, save lives or intervene in death because we as an entire race of people, human beings as a population, as a secular, singular population... Um, we still have a lot left to learn about philosophy, universal philosophy, and we also have a lot of learning left to do um, intrinsically, internally, uh, within ourselves, like what we want to do with the world. And that's, it, it's, it's where a lot of the, the concepts come from. And it's a lot of the reason why people have an issue with, with government which makes it into a, a lot of comic books, and they use it as a trope, um, even even in TV and film, because it, it's a myriad system that blocks your ability to be philosophical because it causes uh, uh, it causes emotional distress, such as stress on the brain, um, and variation and a variation of stress and anxiety can cause your brain to think. Um, in so many different ways different from being creative so it it causes a blockage because you have to relieve the stress because our bodies are designed to relieve stress so if our bodies are too busy doing that we can't do anything positive so if you're that type of environment you have to change your environment in order to experience positive change or even begin to understand and that's and that's how you do it the show was pretty was pretty interesting and i I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Seth MacFarlane's had Family Guy on for quite some time. They even did the Cleveland show, American Dad. He's been responsible for a large, large part of uh, Fox's and Disney's and even Hulu's uh, membership that to replace him and his team and art and artists that work on those shows and even to replace his content overall, period, uh, would be a huge hit to the adult animation section of, of Hulu. So... Um, and, and I hate this crap because they, there was an app, there's an article that my buddy shared with me that talked about, well, if the Orville goes away, it's probably because it's Star Trek and likeness and we'd be splitting the Star Trek, the Star Trek fans and the Star Trek fans as nostalgic as they may be, might not catch on to an Orville. I, 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 I solely disagree with this. I disagree with this in so many ways. And the reason I say this is because the acting, sorry guys, is way better. It's way better. Orville, in likeness, has some really interesting... Uh, and it speaks to the human condition. And those those can be compared to shows 
similar to from like Voyager or Deep Space Nine, uh, which were the ones that I liked. I don't really, I don't really enjoy the new stuff. Um, I, I wasn't really a big fan of the of the movies, and it's because they were remakes of the originals, and and Picard was okay. I like Picard, but it's, it's nostalgia. But you can't you can't compare Star Trek to Orville. It's like comparing Star Wars to Orville. And Orville put some serious grease into the animation and, and New Horizons. I mean, the entire war with the Kalon, it was like being in a Star Wars movie. Um, when they fought the Krill and the Mocklins, that was dope. I couldn't believe the animation that went into that. And these, these aren't 30, 40-minute episodes. These are, these are all like 55 minutes to an hour and a half long. These are like movies. And, and, and the only thing that makes me feel like they are, if there was a chance that the show wouldn't come back, it's because they did hour-long movies because they knew they weren't going to be able to come back uh, via whether it's you know, Disney saying no to Hulu to, to say no to Seth, uh, in which case he'd probably pick back up on Family Guy. But it, it'd be a huge loss to Hulu and Disney overall. And it would give it would give McFarlane uh, an opportunity to take his content somewhere else, and with <laughs> with DC collapsing their entire CW verse, pretty much. I mean, they just axed Arrow, they just uh, they just shut down the Flash, um, Batgirl, Scoob, all that. And H- HBO's going back to its original content. They have more adult content, so there's only two places it can go really. Um, Netflix or HBO, at least with the same size audience. I mean, they could always go to Peacock or I don't know, Freebie. I highly doubt that. But you're talking about twenty. You're talking about twenty seasons of Family Guy, almost the same amount in American Dad, and at least half of that in the Cleveland Show, um, or a quarter of that in the Cleveland Show. I think they only last like four or five seasons, three, three, three to five seasons. I think. Um, but then, but then Orville, which is on Disney Plus, that's not going anywhere, so that that's safe, I guess. It it just doesn't matter. But it was a great show. It was a great season. I loved I loved the episode. It was pretty awesome. Um, I'm really glad I got to talk to you guys about Lightyear. That that's that's pretty close to home for me, as I grew up on that movie. And it's something that I've shared with every one of my kids. Um, growing up, they've Buzz and Woody have had an impact on on at least some of their lives my older kids now that they're older they don't really care so much but he's really really been an impressionable experience on my son he runs around the house with his little lego woody and buzz and he's got his little calm laser shooter on and walks around with his buzz gun and it's 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 pretty it's pretty full circle moment for me but um thank you guys so much for listening to the show tonight I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, you guys are the, obviously the reason I do this show. All of you listeners out there from other countries, thank you so much for stopping in. Um, go check out Gambit, number one. That's my comic recommendation for this this week. I think I'm going to start doing that uh, more often. And go check out Ronan when you can on Amazon. Uh, Chris, Chris Claremont is back on Gambit, number one. I'm so excited for that five-issue miniseries. Um, it's gonna be one, it's gonna be one for the books. I don't usually collect individual uh, singles, but Iron Cat and uh, Gambit for sure are two of the series that I'm collecting single books on, and I'm not waiting for the trade. But uh, go read those. It's an incredible storyline. Chris Claremont's coming back. It's it's gonna be amazing. They're going back from before he was an X Man, 
and they're looking into the future and rewrite some some prequel stuff so it's going to be awesome but um thanks again for tuning in to another awesome episode this morning on the comics and pop tarts podcast from limitless to inevitable and beyond i am your host inevitable mike and remember if you're a comic creator and you want to crowdfund your next book head on over to inkpub.com check out the gallery session the gallery section find out all of our amazing previous and live campaigns currently rolling and if you like your fancy head on over head on over to the contact page and hit us up we'll give you a solutions guide have a great night what's up pop tart nation welcome to the tardy party my name is inevitable mike of course you know because you're listening to this show right now and i want to thank you for listening to this show i appreciate it what i wanted to talk about real quick in this commercial break is wild oni page on facebook is up you can go to hashtag legend of the wild oni or at wild oni or just go to facebook type in wild oni go like the page subscribe lots of cool updates i'll be posting two three times a week there and if you don't know, go to the blog on comics and litter and pop-tarts.com where you can leave me a voicemail, potentially be heard in the show. Let me know what you like about Wild Only, what you're looking forward to, what you like about the show, what you'd like to see or hear on the show. And maybe if you have a suggested guest, maybe I could make an active goal of making that requested guest a guest on the show so you can hear from them. I always appreciate emails, comments. Go subscribe to this, the Comics Substack newsletter. Always always leave open comics there for fans to go in and comment on my newsletter. I appreciate you guys all around the world in all the 11 countries that I know of and possibly more who listen to the show every week. I appreciate it. Now, back to the tardy party!